as we continue our study in 1 John. Well, a woman visited the newspaper editor office, hoping to sell him some poems she had written. What are your poems about, the editor asked. They're about love, gushed the poetess. The editor settled back in his chair and said, well, read me a poem. The world could certainly use a lot more love. The poem she read was filled with moons and junes and other sticky sentiment, and it was more than the editor could take. He said, I'm sorry, but you just don't know what love is all about. It's not moonlight and roses. It's sitting up all night at a sickbed or working extra hours so that your kids can have new shoes. The world doesn't need your brand of poetical love. It needs some good old-fashioned practical love. You see, we show our love to God not through flowery words, but through willing works. As Christians, we are not slaves obeying a master. We are children obeying a father. Real love, like the love of a child to a parent or a parent to a child, is practical love. It's active. It's sacrificial. It's kind and respectful. Real love isn't sentiment, but commitment. Real love isn't forced, but given. Real love is not just words, but deeds. Real love to God is not duty, but worship. Well, please turn in your Bibles with me there to 1 John chapter 5 as we continue our study. 1 John chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Father, we come to you humbly now. We come to you opening up our hearts, our thoughts, to the work of your Spirit, to the ministry of your Word in our lives. We come holding nothing back. We ask you to challenge us and change us in whatever area you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're going to look at two marks of a child of God. The first is that real love for God will express itself in obedience to God. Love which proves itself in obedience. Again, now as we come to a new section of John's teaching in chapter 5, he begins with reviewing two truths that he emphasizes in his letter over and over and over again. The first truth is that to be counted as a true follower of God, one must believe that Jesus is the Christ. What we believe about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done is the determining factor in whether we are a true follower of the one true God. It's interesting if you look at the passage that John bookends this paragraph with the truth. Verse 1, he says, everyone who believes that Jesus is a Christ has been born of God. 
And then again in verse 5, he says, Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? The word believes in, in both of these uh, verses is in the present tense. It speaks of a continual action. Our belief in Jesus is not something that we just did some time in the past, but rather it's something we are doing right now. It is in the present. One pastor put it this way, The assurance of my salvation comes not from the fact that I did trust Christ, but that I am trusting Christ for my salvation right now. What are we believing? Verse 1 says we're believing that Jesus is the Christ. That means we believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Anointed One, the long-awaited Deliverer. As 1 John 4.14 puts it, we believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Believing that Jesus is a Christ, as John 1, uh, 1 John 4.10 says, says that we believe that he's our propitiation. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 5 says that we are believing that Jesus is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus is divine, that Jesus is God. Not just that he was a good man, not just that he was a great teacher, or that he was a great prophet, not some spiritual guide. No, true belief means that we believe Jesus is God. Jesus is divine. Jesus is the ever-eternal, existing Son of God. Well, another truth that John reiterates as he starts off this passage is his favorite application throughout 1 John, that everyone who loves the Father will also love one another. To love God is to love one another. But then he takes it a step further. If you, if you look there at verse 2, he kind of gives us a test. He kind of gives us a way to assess. You know, what, what is the test to know if you are loving the children of God? How can you assess whether you are actually loving one another as God wants you to? So if you look at verse 2, he says, By this we know that we love the children of God. Well, by what? Two things. By this we know, if, when we love God, and two, when we obey his commands. See, it's interesting here, but John kind of flips the order on us. If you, if you look up to 1 John 4.21, the last verse of chapter 4, as John often says, how he often puts it, he says, Whoever loves God must also love his brothers. But now in verse 2, he says, do you want to know if you're loving your brothers? Do you want to know if you're loving one another, loving the children of God? Then love God. You see, to love God means that we will necessarily love one another. And to biblically love one another necessarily means that we love God. You can't love God without loving one another, and you can't love one another without loving God. These two truths are permanently connected together. Jesus said so in Matthew 22, 34 and following, when he said, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked them a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands, Jesus said, depend all the law and the prophets. On these two commands, loving God 
and loving your neighbor. All the law, all the prophets, all the scripture, all the commandments depend on them. All the other commandments hinge on. All the other commandments rest on. All the other commandments hang on these two commandments. This is a lesson that John learned so well from Jesus, and he's trying so hard to teach us. If we can just live out these two truths, love God, love God above all things, love God above all wants, love God above all relationships, and love our neighbor, love our brothers, love one another with the same kind of love that we have been loved, then the rest of the commandments will fall in line. Look at verse 3. It says, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. See, when we have a loving relationship with God first, and loving others second, and we are actually living that out, we come to realize and experience that all the other commandments are not so burdensome. They're not that difficult, but rather they're doable, they're possible. Listen to this quote. Love provides the motive for obeying God's commands, and the commands provide specific direction for exercising that love. See, Jesus is, and loving him is, is not some kind of outward obedience, but it's a longing to do his will from our hearts out of gratitude for who he is and for what he has done. It's not that I have to obey God. It's that I want to obey God. Obeying God's command is not supposed to be burdensome. Jesus condemns the scribes and the Pharisees for making obeying God difficult, for making obeying God burdensome in Matthew chapter 23. In verse 4, he condemns them and he says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. You see, false religion, man-made religion, religion that says you have to earn your way to God, religion that says you have to earn favor with God, makes commandments burdensome, makes commandments heavy and hard to bear, and then they heap on top of all that burden, guilt and manipulation. Folks, listen to me. That is not the gospel. That is not the teaching of true Christianity. That is not what Jesus wants for us. As a matter of fact, Jesus forcefully condemns that kind of teaching. Listen to what Jesus says instead in Matthew chapter 11. He says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, following Jesus is not a burden, but a rest for our souls. Following Jesus is not a burden to carry, but a relationship to enjoy. In relationship with Jesus, we actually come to love to obey him. The Apostle John, who heard these words, 
out of our Savior's mouth. John, who lived with Jesus, not only heard him saying these very words, but saw him over and over and over again live out the truth of his love, of his grace, of his mercy. John is saying to us this truth. His commandments are not burdensome. Now you might be saying to yourself, the moment of honesty, you're saying to yourself, but pastor, they feel burdensome to me. Pastor, sometimes they're heavy and they're hard. Well, let's talk about that a moment. Our culture tells us over and over again, day after day, that the way to happiness is to do what feels right. The way to guilt-free, burden-free life is to make your own happiness by doing whatever feels good to you. This is such a strong and pervasive message in our culture that it often goes unchecked. We don't recognize it because it is such a major part of the cultural soup that we swim in. And without ever really evaluating it, we can come to accept it as true. That true life fulfillment comes when we do what feels good, when we do what we want, when we do what makes us happy. See, that false message intertwined with our own selfishness and sinfulness and the two forces work together to try to take us down. With, with those types of messages infiltrating our lives, God's word, God's commandments start to feel burdensome. Really, all authority over our lives, like parents or bosses, start to feel burdensome. And we start to say, well, I have a right to my own happiness. I have a right to follow my feelings. I have a right to be rich, to seek pleasure in things. I have a right to fulfill myself sexually, however and with whomever I want. I have a right to date or to marry or divorce for my own happiness. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to be bitter. I have the right to be mad. I have the right to hold a grudge. We can go on and on and on with the false messages that our culture is giving us that grabs our selfishness and sinfulness and, and pulls down our hearts. See, we put our own wants so high of our priority that anyone who says that what you want is wrong becomes a burden and becomes someone who's standing in your way of your happiness. God's commandments feel burdensome to us because this world and our selfishness together says that anyone who tries to stop me from doing what I want to do or what I feel is right is wrong and is just making my life harder. The lies of our culture combined with the deceitfulness of our heart draws us away from God and makes his commands burdensome. Now imagine with me, parent in the kitchen there with a young child. The child wants to do things in the kitchen, like crawl into the stove, like play with the silverware drawer and take everything out, like turn the knobs on the oven, like play with all the shiny cutlery, like stand next to the stairs that go down to the basement. So what does a good parent do? What does a loving parent do? Does a 
does this good, loving parent say, well, I want my child to fulfill their deepest wants and desires. I want them to be happy. If I stop them from playing in the kitchen, I will hinder their happiness and their self-expression. If I tell them no and swat their little hands, they might get their feelings hurt. They might cry. I might damage their psyche. And then every time they want to play in the kitchen, I'll have to stop them again and again and again. Just think how sad they will be. Then my commandments, my words will just become burdensome to them. Well, of course, no good parent ever does that. No one who actually loves that child would actually do that. Because they know something that the child doesn't know. Following rules in the midst of a loving relationship actually leads to happiness. The child rebels against the rules. I know what I want. I know better than my parents. I know what will make me happy. I know I'm going to exert my will to fulfill my desire. A good parent, a loving parent knows that allowing your child to play in the kitchen, doing whatever their hearts desire, will in reality actually put them in danger and keep them from happiness. A good parent knows that making your children follow rules actually helps them from danger and so they can really experience the joy and the happiness of life. A good parent, a loving parent, tells them, no, don't play with the stove. Not to stop them from their happiness, but to guide them and to help them experience genuine joy and happiness. The child might feel like the rules are burdensome. And don't they? They cry and they wail. But in reality, what the parent is providing for them is a gateway to real peace and to freedom and to happiness. See, somehow when we become teenagers... Somehow when we become young adults, and yes, somehow all of us as mature adults, we forget this fundamental truth. Following God's rules in the midst of relationship with him is what actually brings us happiness. We've been told so long by our world and by our selfish hearts that doing whatever we want brings happiness. Follow your feelings. Rebel against God's command. They're too burdensome and difficult. And we say, I know better than God, my Father. I know what will make me happy. I know what I want. Just like that little toddler in the kitchen, we say, I am going to exert my will to fulfill my desires. All the while we fail to realize that our God, the best parent ever, has provided for us the greatest path of real life, of real fulfillment. No, he tells us, don't do that. Not to stop us from our happiness, but to actually give us real, genuine joy and fulfillment. Folks, his commandments are not burdensome. But in reality, they are the best way that we can find real peace and freedom and happiness in this world. Jesus came to give us life. John 10.10 And to give it abundantly. Life to the full, a life now on earth of real joy. God, your Father, is not trying to kill your joy and take your happiness away. The exact opposite is true. He knows what we don't know. He knows that following his rules in relationship with him 
will actually lead us to the best life possible. God's commands start to feel burdensome in our lives when we start to fundamentally disagree with them. We start to disagree with them when we start to wander away from his love. We start to disagree with him when we no longer see God's commands as coming from a loving father who wants what is best for us. So let's take a moment and say something that I think is very important. When we think back at that child in the kitchen, we need to understand something. That it's normal. That's what children in kitchens do. It's natural. The child wants to do things that are actually potentially harmful to themselves and actually thwart their own happiness. So let's be honest with each other, right? That child is me. That child is you. You see, yet still today, I much too often still act like that child with my Heavenly Father. And the truth is the same for you. Still today, you are much too often still like that little child to our Heavenly Father. You see, it's normal, it's natural for us to want our own way, to even do things that are potentially harmful to us, to even do things that actually thwart our own true joy and happiness. Sometimes God's commands become burdensome to us because we simply want what we want. I know what that feeling is like. You see, taking our eyes off a loving Father and turning them onto what we want is much easier than any of us would want to admit. But we're real people with real lives and a real God. So what can we do about it? So if today, if God's commands are feeling burdensome, here are two truths that can help us. The first is, God knows us. And God loves us. And God helps us. God never commands us to do something and then stands on the sidelines. And he's kind of watching and waiting and to see if we can do it. Now, when God commands us to do something or to not do something, he's right there. He's right there with us to help us, to strengthen us, to give us enlightenment, and and even at times to carry us. God doesn't abandon us. God doesn't somehow say, now do this on your own. No, he loves us. By his grace, by his love, by his power, he's provided for us salvation. And by his grace, by his power, by his love, he helps us day in and day out to follow him. As a matter of fact, God knows it is impossible for us to obey him without his help and strength. That's one of the main reasons he's given us the Holy Spirit. So that he can do in us and through us what we simply cannot do on our own. Philippians 4.13, that great verse. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We are often weak and unable, but in Christ and through Christ, we can obey God in all things. Because he's the one giving us the strength. He's the one giving us the wisdom. He's the one giving us the grace. He's the one giving us the love and the help to obey. See, God loves you and His real love and our real lives will help us love him and obey him as a deep expression of our heart's desire. Well, the next truth that can help us is the next mark of a child of God from verses 4 and 5. It's faith. Faith, which is the victory that overcomes the world. 
Verse 4 says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. The world is described in 1 John 2.16. It says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride in possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world lures us with flaunting desires of the flesh. The, the world lures us with desires that entice our eyes. The world lures us with pride and possessions and wanting more and more and more stuff. As we said earlier, the world coupled with our own selfishness is a formidable foe that wants to take us down. So how do we overcome the world? How do we come to the place of living out in our lives the truth that God's commandments are not burdensome? How do we regularly, daily, live our lives in and through the love of God? We do it by faith. We do it by faith. It takes faith. But faith, you say, in what? Well, John has told us many times in this letter, and again in our passage today in verse 1 and 5, he says, faith in Jesus. Here, faith isn't a set of theological truths. Our faith isn't a doctrinal statement. Our faith is in a person. Jesus, the eternal second person of the Trinity, the creator and judge of the world, fully God who took on full humanity, who lived a perfect life, who died a sacrificial death, who rose again on the third day, who ascended to heaven and is now seated at the right hand of God and who is coming again in his glory and who loves you and me. Jesus, the greatest lover of mankind ever. Our faith is in him. See, our faith is victorious. Our faith overcomes the world, not because of us, but because of who our faith is in. Jesus is victorious. Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus has defeated Satan. Our strength is strong. Our faith is powerful. Because of Jesus is strong. Jesus is powerful. God's commandments are not burdensome because we have faith in Jesus. We believe that he knows what we don't know. And we follow him. We trust him. We believe that he loves us like no one ever has. We believe that what he wants for us is truly the very best for us. The world is screaming at us, follow your appetites. Our selfishness is screaming, satisfy your own wants. But our faith is strong and steady. And it's calling out to us, trust Jesus, follow him, obey him, love him, trust him. You don't know. He knows. He has the best plan. God's commandments aren't burdensome. But that doesn't mean it's easy. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Denying our selfish wants is not easy at all. It requires faith. It requires trust and sacrifice. It requires us to trust God for the outcome. To believe that he knows 
more than I know. That he loves me and doing what he says is the best for me. It requires us to deny ourselves and to follow him. It requires faith. Listen to this quote. Faith sees that Jesus is better. That is why faith conquers the world. The world held us in bondage by the power of its desires. But now our eyes have been opened by the new birth to see the superior desirability of Jesus. Do you see that? Does your faith see that? Does your faith see the superior desirability of Jesus over all things? Jesus is better than the desires of our flesh. Jesus is better than the desires of our eyes. Jesus is better than the riches that this world could offer. Folks, Jesus is superior to all things. And faith in him is the victory that has overcome the world. So where are you today? Where are you in your love? Where are you in your faith? Are God's commandments feeling burdensome? Then gaze upon Jesus in a new way, in a fresh way. Let his love for you enliven your love for him. Let his love for you enliven your faith in him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And that feeling that his commands are burdensome, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus wants so much for us. Jesus is so superlatively great. He wants us to believe that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, experienced new birth. He wants to change our hearts so that we might delight in loving God and one another. He wants to inflame our love for his glory so that we desire to keep his commandments. He wants to fill us with faith, so that we can overcome the obstacles and the temptations that this world throws at us. He wants us to know real love, life-changing love. He wants us to walk by faith, real faith, life-empowering faith. If God's commandments are feeling burdensome to you, then refresh your love for God. Reinvigorate your faith in Jesus. Love Him. Trust Him. To love Him is to wantingly obey Him. To have faith in Him is to have victory over the world and its fleeting temptations in our lives. So go to Jesus today and be honest. Be honest with your cares and your troubles. Be honest with your hesitations and your burdens. Because our cares, our troubles, our burdens are lifted at Calvary. Let's pray. Father, today I pray in humility asking you to do this sermon to me. Teach me these lessons. Help me to see the superlative greatness of Jesus Christ over all things. His love and my faith in him. Lord, I pray that for each of us in here. Lord, give us the understanding of the superlative greatness of Jesus Christ in our lives so that instead of having to obey we get to obey 
it becomes the greatest expression of our lives to love Jesus. Knowing He knows what we don't know. Knowing He cares at levels we don't even understand. Lord, please help us to see it. This world has so twisted our thoughts. Untwist them. Give us clarity. Break down our thoughts. Build us back up in your spirit, in your truth. In Jesus' name.